Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Lord's Day 32, uh, we, were, we asked the following question, since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? And the answer begins like this, because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image. So Christians have been bought by the blood of Christ. We were redeemed even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. That's when Christ bought us. And that's his work for us and be accomplished on the cross. But Christ does not stop his work there. Christ is now at work in us. He is at work in us by the Holy Spirit. Christ is at work transforming Christians. He's renovating us. He's restoring us. He's giving us new life. Now, maybe you've worked on a renovation or a restoration project before. Maybe you bought an old rusty car or maybe an old rundown house. You bought it. You purchased that, made it your own, and then you began to work on it, restoring it. Take out what was broken, ruined, run down. Then you put in what was new and beautiful, a restoration project. This is the sort of work Christ is doing in the lives of believers. How does this happen? How does this transformation happen? It happens through this process that we read about in Lord's Day 33 of repentance or conversion. The Holy Spirit is at work in believers to bring them to this repentance and to this new life. In fact, Scripture calls this change in the believer repentance unto life. Repentance unto life. By working this change in us, believers are, giving, are being given life that is truly life. The end of this process is indeed eternal life. So I preach you under uh, God's word on the following theme. Christ Jesus, by his word and spirit, gives believers repentance unto life. And we'll look at, first of all, putting to death our old sinful nature. Second of all, living as new people in Christ. So Lord State 33 asks the following question. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? The dying of the old nature, the coming to life of the new nature. Now, of course, everyone on earth was born in Adam. We share in his original rebellion. That's where our old sinful nature called the flesh in Scripture, where it comes from. That's why the same temptations plague everyone on earth. You see that in this world. Everyone uh, attracted to sin. Now, believers have been redeemed by Christ, but we've not yet been made perfect. That old sinful nature that produces doubts, that produces temptations, evil desires is still there. And this old nature with all of its sinful desires needs to be put to death. Christians put to death their old nature through this process of repentance. And all of us here must engage in that 
daily repentance, daily turning back to God. As our hearts are pulling us in the other direction. Think only of what the Lord Jesus taught us in Luke 13. Some people told Jesus about a number of Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Don't know exactly what happened with this incident. Uh, perhaps Pilate put some to death while they were trying to sacrifice to God. However, one thing is clear. The people who witnessed this event heard about it. They interpreted this incident to mean that the people who died were worse sinners than the other Galileans. The same thing happened when the Tower of Siloam fell in Jerusalem, killing a number of people. And again, the people who were alive interpreted this, this disaster to mean the people who died were worse sinners than all those other people in Jerusalem. And we might have the same sentiment when we see disasters in this world. It's true that disasters in this world are part of God's judgment. Just read the book of Revelation. But there was still something wrong in their thinking. The Lord Jesus says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It's the same thing with the Tower of Siloam. Were those 18 people worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So Christ makes it clear. Repentance is necessary for everyone. It's necessary for all of us sitting here to engage in this practice of daily repentance. Unless you repent, you all likewise will perish, says the Lord. So our old nature with its sinful desires must be put away. This is true because sin always, always leads to death. Right? Our old sinful nature with its temptations is trying to pull us in the direction of death. You can see this from our reading in James 1. There we read, God himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. You see, there's a pattern that happens with our sinful nature. Evil desires arise out of our hearts. We face that every day. And if we allow sinful desires, oh, evil, these desires are not harmless. Their aim is to grow. Right? Sin always aims to grow to the maximum. That's why it's so important that we engage in repentance at the level of desire in our heart. If we allow sinful desires to fester and grow, then eventually we will act on them. That's the progression of sin. Verse 15 says, Desire, when it is fully grown, gives birth to sin. That's what happens. And there's a further progression from here. Sin, when it is fully grown, says, gives birth to death. So if we're not fighting against evil desires, it will lead to sin, and it will lead to destruction and death. Someone might have the desire to rebel against authority, maybe against his or her parents, 
maybe against teachers or the government. If these desires are not fought against, it will lead to sin, some kind of rebellion. And if sin is not repented of, repented of, it leads to death. Someone might harbor hatred in their hearts towards someone else close to them. If desires like hatred and jealousy are harbored and, and grown, it will lead to some kind of sin against that person. And if sin is not repented of, it leads to death. Someone might be tempted by sexual immorality. If the desires are not fought against, it will lead to sexual sin. If the sin is not repented of, it leads to death. This is the nature of sin and our sinful nature, beloved. Just look at this world in which we live. You can see the sinful nature of humans on display everywhere. And you can see sin never produces true life. It never benefits anyone. Just look at this world. Sin produces so much harm. It produces so much destruction. So much hurt and sorrow. So understand, God is not trying to make our lives miserable by calling us to repent. Far from it. He's not denying us something good by calling us away from sin. Far from it. But in love, he's calling us away from things that cause destruction and death. Think of a parent who warns a child not to play on the busy street. Think of a doctor who tells a patient to cut out some deadly disease that needs to be cut out. A parent, the doctor, are looking out for the person's good. And this is why Christ says, If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your entire person to be thrown into hell. So as those who have been redeemed by Christ's blood, we now put to death sin. So when you see your sin, beloved, simply repent. What does it mean? It means to change your mind. Change your mind, your heart about your sin. Instead of embracing it, you now fight against it. Instead of loving sin, we now grieve with heartfelt sorrow. We've offended God by our sin. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can turn away from evil desires. Scripture shows this, rep- this process of repentance in many ways. Think of David after his sin with Bathsheba. Think of Peter after he denied the Lord Three times, godly sorrow for sin. Think of what James writes in verse 21 put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Well, it's good to examine yourself here. When I'm convicted of my sin, do I confess that before God? Do I understand that I've offended Him? Am I putting away sin and wickedness? From my life, or am I holding on to it? When you see your sins, simply repent. Humble yourself before the Lord. Ask God to forgive you. Flee away from that old life. Leave that old life of sin behind. 
brings us to our next point. Now, the transformation of the Christian is not only about the dying of the old nature. Yes, we put to death evil desires. But it's important to understand that Christianity is not simply avoiding a long list of don'ts. Right? The Christian life is not about getting rid of evil desires so that we're left with no desires at all. Rather, the Christian is called to enjoy eternal life. The Christian is called to enjoy God and live for Him. The Christian life is about walking in the way of joy and living the life that's truly life. There's not just the dying of the old nature, there's also the coming to life of the new nature. You see, repentance is not self-improvement like making New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to turn over a new leaf, just um, New Year's resolution. This is about a recreation, a resurrection. It's about living as new people in Christ, See, Christians have a new nature by which we are truly alive in Christ. We have a new nature by which we can finally and truly serve the Lord. Now, how is this new nature created in Christians? How does someone receive a new nature? Well, we can view the creation of our new nature in two different ways. We can see it created in the Christian, first of all, through Christ's death and resurrection. How does this happen? Well, as believers, we've been united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. See, on the cross, Christ paid for our sins by his death. And we were united with him in his death. Upon his death, Christ was then buried in the grave and we were buried with him. Now, if we, were going, if we were to go into the grave without Christ, we would never escape. Death would hold on to us forever because the price has not been paid. However, because we have gone into the grave with Christ, everything changes. You see, while he was dying, Christ bore our sins at the cross. Our record of debt was nailed to the cross with Christ. And then we were buried with Christ in the grave. And God the Father then raised Christ from the dead. And because our sins were paid for by Christ's death, believers can escape the grave through Christ's resurrection. Nothing holds us back from being raised with Christ because Christ paid for our sins in his death on the cross. So believers have been spiritually raised from the dead with Christ because of Christ's redeeming work. This is what it means to be given a new nature. It's to be raised with Christ. Believers have been raised with Christ. We sometimes call this regeneration or being born again. It's to be made alive in Christ. So that's the first way we can view the creation of our new nature. But we can view the creation of our new nature from a different perspective. It's also created by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. 
See, God comes to someone with the good news of Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, people are called to this new life and salvation in Christ. It's through God's Word that we're raised to new life. This is what James 1 verse 18 is talking about. Of His own will, God brought us forth by the Word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. You see, a few verses earlier, James wrote about how evil desires... They give birth to sin. But here we see a different giving birth. The word of truth, the word of God, gives birth to new people in Christ. Evil desires give birth to sin. The word of God gives birth to new people in Christ. God creates this new nature in us by His Word. 1 Peter 1, verse 23, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. This is why James says later on, Receive with meekness the implanted Word in you, which is able to save your souls. So receive the Word of God, hold on to it, beloved. It's the Word of God that creates new people. It's the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms us. Remember, just as evil desires give birth to sin, the Word of God gives birth to new people in Christ. Read it. Study it. Listen to the preaching of the gospel. It's the Word of God that will change you. This goes for all of us. Children. Are you reading the Bible? It's important for you to read the Bible too. When your mom or dad or the minister reads God's Word, are you listening to the Bible reading? Listening to the sermon? Or are you just thinking about other things? And those who have grown out of childhood, are you reading the Bible on your own? Are you listening to the preaching of God's Word in church? It's the Word of God that's going to transform you. And those who are adults here, do you make a priority to read and study God's Word? Hear it. God's Word gives new life. That's how God changes us. It makes me think of a passage from the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. The prophet Ezekiel had a vision of, valley, of a valley of bones. The valley was full of bones. Dry bones. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, Can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, you know. And then the Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And as he did, the bones came together and flesh came upon them. And Ezekiel prophesied more and breath entered into them. They they became alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of what God does through the preaching of His Word. He raises people to new life. Gives them life by the Holy Spirit. So we've seen that this new nature comes about through Christ's death and resurrection, also by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word. Question answer 90 teaches us about the coming to life of the new nature in this way. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It's first of all a heartfelt joy in God 
through Christ. And it's important to see this first. The Christian life is not just about avoiding sinful desires. It's about finding new desires and new joys. And there's supreme joy in God through Christ. Colossians 3 reminds us, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. God has become our loving Father in Jesus Christ. There are eternal pleasures at his right hand. And the coming to life of the new nature is about setting our hearts on those things. Paul says in Philippians 1, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Joy in God through Christ. And seeking the things that are above will change you. This is how the fruit of the Spirit comes about more and more. Seeing what we have in Christ, it leads to love. Love for God, love for our neighbor. The gospel of Christ leads to joy and peace. Leads to patience. Eternal life is coming. One day the struggle against sin, the suffering of this life will be over. We can endure patiently. You know, think, of the, think of the fruit of the Spirit for a moment. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Aren't these things wonderful? Isn't that the kind of person you want to be? Isn't that the kind of person you want to be around? Someone who is filled with this fruit? This is the kind of people the Spirit is transforming us into as we repent from sin and live in light of our new nature in Christ. It's a beautiful change. This is a fruit we will get to experience for all eternity. This coming to life of the new nature includes something else, includes a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. Think about Psalm 119, the longest book in the Psalms. The psalmist, by the power of the Holy Spirit, praises God for his law. He's been given new eyes and a new heart to see, yes, God's law is good. It's like we read about in the book of James. He calls it the law of liberty, the law of freedom. The psalmist sees that God's law is the way of life. He says, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be transformed into these people too. See that God's commandments are not burdensome. The way of easy living. But sin is actually the hard life. And through this, we learn to live according to the will of God as Christ did. James 1 gives us a good example of how to put this into practice. Or we read, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. God is calling us away from a selfish life to become like Him. How does God so often describe Himself in the Bible? The God who cares for the, the widow and the orphan. Compassion on those who need help, the down and out. 
And this is what Christ did on earth. The eternal Son of God. He perfectly showed us what God is like. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be conformed into His image too. Amen.